1: Arsenal choose to inflict maximum suffering on Tottenham by taking top four to the final day of the season. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Alex Smith, the block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. We all have different ways of dealing with the pain of a big loss. And like usually I find myself extremely animated, very emotional about it. I don't know. Today I just find myself muted, downtrodden, really sad unfortunately, but like I have to reset, and I think we all have to reset right now to remember that while this was a huge pain, while this was a huge injury that we suffered, and they're going to get to have their fun and their laugh and their joy, that we have to beat Newcastle and Everton, and we're in the Champions League, and there is not a single Arsenal fan that would not have taken that position at the start of this season, or probably even just a couple of months ago. So, we are going to, unfortunately, unpack everything that happened in the Derby. We are going to talk about where that leaves us. Certainly a potential Gabriel injury, um, a holding suspension that leaves the, the back four, back five, whatever we wind up choosing to do in question for the remainder of the season. But it is all still there for us. And the mantra that keeps running through my head that Mikel Arteta needs to drum into the minds of every player in that dressing room is, they won the battle, we go win the war. That is what is on now, because we can still do everything we hoped and wished for if we can remind ourselves that that was just a battle, but the war can still be won by Arsenal. So we're going to get into this. Uh, a two-hander today, the cowards known as Tim and Paul, not showing to discuss the Derby, and I have to be honest, um, it feels like a pretty smart choice, but Clive has manfully arrived. You can find him on Twitter at PFC. Hello, Clive.
2: Hello, hello. And that's not fair. Tim was queued up. we no, ready to go. Tim
1: was all queued up. And then someone decided that they were going to chop down a tree, um, with a, a chainsaw right as we were getting ready to start, which hopefully is not an omen. Speaking of omens, Clive, I don't know if you remember, but on Monday's pod, I mentioned to you that I dreamt we lost the Derby three nil. Yeah. Now that's disturbing. I have been Googling how to make yourself dream that Arsenal win the next two games. I'm also thinking, I've dreamt a lot that I can fly. Maybe I just need to get on the roof of my house and jump off and see if that's true too. Yeah. Uh, some of you probably thinking, yeah, try that, Elliot. That's a good idea. I hope you do that. But I want to just start first with... Uh, we'll, we'll get into the game stuff, right? The tactical stuff, there's a lot of things we could talk about in terms of selection and tactics and how we approach this game. But I, I want to start first with the emotion of dealing with this because this is a big injury that we've suffered and they get to have their moment. They get to have their celebration. And I think one of the things that makes it hard for me to connect with this derby, like I can remember derbies we lost or threw away. I think there was a four, four when we were up for, what was it? Four, two or whatever. And, you know, and, and I felt bitterly angry and upset because of what Tierney did. And because of what happened with refereeing decisions, the heat of this went out pretty quickly. And it was just sort of a batan death march to the finish line. So for me, by the time we got to the end, my anger had subsided and was replaced just sort of by this subdued, dull ache. And I'm wondering if this even felt like an event to you because to me, I'm struggling to connect with it as an event. I'm already kind of just on to the next two games that are ahead of us.
2: Yeah, and um, let me just correct you and say Paul Tierney, just in case people think he's Kieran Tierney. (laughs) Did I say Kieran Tierney? No, you said Tierney. You, oh, said Tierney. you just said Tierney, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and not everyone
1: knows I forgot that, Karen Tierney exists, so let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> He's not, not everyone.
2: my right not everyone knows all the referees' names as well as you do, Elliot. Right?
1: So, um, <laughs> you got to keep track of them,
2: my friend. <laughs> so, yeah, where are we? Where are we? So
1: The up. emotion. How, how did this strike you? I mean, how do you connect with the emotion of this?
2: This is a tough one, right? Uh, and I asked myself the question this morning, why – why are we imploding as a fan base? Right? Why are we imploding? So one, we sort of hope for a sunny day on their ground. That was the the best part. Sunny
1: night was, to be yeah. Fair.
2: We hope for it, right? We we wanted to see us dancing across their pitch and see them all crying in their shiny new ground. But hey, look, it didn't. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. I think what's happening is, with me anyway. I didn't expect to be here, and I really didn't expect to be here. And I said something this morning, it's about, within some of us, maybe there's something called imposter syndrome, where you know when you're thinking, you know what, I want to believe that we're here, but actually I'm just waiting for that tap on the shoulder. When that tap on the shoulder comes and says, Haha, you say, there you go, I knew it. I knew we weren't good enough. I knew we were going to fall down. It's almost like a protection of our emotions. That feeling that we've all had it deep in our stomachs. That's why we're so nervous. In the pit of our stomachs, if we're really honest. We're looking at team sheet. We look at the people that are doing well. We're asking ourselves a question about our player analysis over previous years. <laughs> <laughs> and we're looking at it saying, hold on a minute. We shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be here. And we are here. How are we here? Why are we here? This is going to go wrong. So when it does go wrong, it's a massive confirmation stroke imposter syndrome feeling, if that makes sense, Elliot, you know? and It I, and have,
1: I, does make sense, of course, yeah.
2: And I, and, I, and I really feel that strongly. But we mustn't talk ourselves out of this. We should talk ourselves into it. The last time I looked, mate, Spurs can win two games, and we win two games, and everything's fine. So unless Harry Kane is that cozy with the FA and with the Premier League that you get four points for a win, they can literally do one. Do you see what I mean? Well, that's us
1: screwed. That's us
2: screwed. Down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, unless, and that's it, it's just two wins. And if we simplify this and focus on the next thing that we do rather than the last thing we've just done, I think we'll be fine. And you can see from almost every media outlook today, and I've been trying to keep my head down. So I wouldn't be infected before this podcast, but every media outlet today is sort of saying it's over for Arsenal. It's over. Why is it over? Why is it over?
1: Well, I mean, we we can get into why it might be. And I think it's more about the injuries and what we have to try to do to get through this. And that leads me to, to the point about the team we put out. So, We'll get to the Paul Tierney stuff, because I, w- I want to go through the decisions, and I have very specific views on player culpability, but also referee culpability. Let's just set that aside for one second. Mikel Arteta has been doing this with really smoke and mirrors, right? We are a duct tape together squad right now. Let's make yeah. no mistake. You have, across the front line, 20, 22, and 20. In midfield, you have a backup player who had played 300 minutes until four games ago. And in the back line, he trots out a backup right back, a backup center back, and a right back move to left back. That's the team he's putting out in a derby against, let's let's say it, a reasonably strong... Like, I don't rate Spurs that highly, but in some key positions, they have some serious talent, and we know yep. what those positions are. Yep. And so we're doing this a little bit with duct tape, and I think the really big choice that swung this game against us... And, and I'm not going to kill Mikel Arteta in this game, and I'm not going to kill the players either, and I, we will get into the the extent to which Paul Tierney decided to be the talking point of this game. We'll come to that. But I thought the decision to play Tomiyasu on the left was the wrong one. We discussed it pre-match. And I think the unwillingness to trust Nuno here meant that on the right-hand side, you have a guy in holding who is limited and a guy in Cedric who is limited playing together in a partnership on the right side of our defense against the most dangerous part of their attack. And it, it bit us in the ass. Now, it bit us in the ass with some help from the referee, but that decision... I think, in retrospect, Mikel will feel it was wrong. I felt it was wrong at the time, and I'm curious if you think it's as big as it looks or if that's more post-hoc analysis.
2: Yeah, well, you know my views on Nuno, right? I'm, I'm, I'm one of the few people in the Western world that does not mistrust him. Why not play <laughs> him? Right? Um, I don't see the issue. It's Nuno or Cedric. So if you ask me to choose which one do Nuno or Cedric, I choose Nuno.
1: Well, it's I not just I- Nuno or Cedric, right? It's Nuno or... Cedric and then Tomiyasu out of position, so it's yeah. really a, a double-barreled decision. In that
2: yeah, I was trying to explain this earlier on today. When you're when you're a coach, right, you you have a set of priorities, and I might have said it last night earlier. I feel I got deja vu, but I think his key priority was to sit into a five, and in that five, he wanted Gabriel in the centre of the defence as a guy that could cover left, who can cover right. He's the most mobile aggressive defender, he's a, he's our best big space defender, give him that space to cover in behind people who get moved around. That was his number one priority. For me he wanted to have um Tom Yes as the left centre back when we go into a five. And he felt that holding was the best option in the right centre back. Now I would now to do that you have Cedric on the outside. He might think thinking I want Saka to be further at the pit so he can score goals. I don't want to make Saka a right wing back. I'd rather have safety there, push Saka up, right? So this is the team I'm going to go with. Now, personally, my priorities would would be different. You know, I may, and I, I'm not saying this in hindsight. We said it before. We spoke to each other. It's all there, recorded. I would have prioritised our our right side defensively because Spurs like to attack left. They've got a player there in Hummin Son, who scores a lot of goals, and we have a history with. And for me, it's always about stopping him. And we chose to go another way. I'm not saying we didn't try to stop him, but I felt, well, not just me, we all felt there was a big, big, big arrow saying, come into his right-hand channel, please. Come in here, because we're not certain of ourselves here. And there are things, tactically that we did that I think were quite not right. How we left holding alone, etc., we Cedric pushed up on Cessignon. Sessignon dropped away because he knew he wanted Son isolated on Holding. Holding fell for the three car trick, got really tight. That's what he likes to do. Our spaces became big all around him. Everything that Holding did has a big light on it, like he was on stage. Because he was in space, in an inner jewel, with his body shape and his ability to move. Everyone can see he was second best. And so yeah. we had to take that away by crowding that area, but we didn't, we still kept leaving him alone, leaving him alone. So sometimes you just get out tactics and we got out tactics and out psyched in that area, mate. And then I'm afraid there's nothing we could do about it now. Nothing, nothing.
1: But do you think also like, I mean, we clearly decided to stick to our principles of play and It looked okay, right, for the first 20 minutes or so. I thought we had the better of it, but the problem with Spurs is you never know if you're having the better of it because what looks like you're having the better of it is to some extent playing right into their hands, which is they don't want to have the better of it. They want to have the ability to turn you around and and attack you in space, and like the way we, we set up to play was like we had to win the game. And I think it would have been interesting to see this game if we had set up to force Spurs to try to go win it. And... The other thing that did is it meant that Holding was playing not just against Sun, not just with a big red light on his head, but in space, in a high line, in positions that are going to exaggerate, I think, some of his challenges, some of his limitations. And again, with Cedric to the, to the side of him, who's not going to give him the most robust support. I think you can coax Holding through the game better with Tomiyasu on that side because he's not going to lose aerial duels. He's not going to give away that penalty, and, and it's a soft one. We'll come to that. Um, so, I, I mean, do you... Do you wish you could go back and see this game where we maybe opt to be not the aggressors, right? Not the protagonists, so to speak, because I'd like to see a game where Spurs have to show that they can come break us down and maybe flip the script on them a little bit. But I thought playing this way, at least if it didn't play to our weaknesses, it definitely played to Spurs' strengths.
2: Yeah, I think if you think back to the goals, what what did we have? Two set pieces, right? A penalty and... um, a corner where, if Holding was on the pitch, he may have cleared the first ball. Right, so they didn't open us up. They didn't transition on us hugely. Our defensive transition was quite good. Our spaces was quite good. The issue for me was we allowed a situation to uh, to occur in our right channel where we didn't manage it very well. We derailed emotionally again, and that's a weakness in this team. When things go wrong, our desire to be so to make things go right is so big that when things go wrong, we become very emotional. Now, if you think back to the, the Gabrielle Yellow Cards against Man City, I know I keep going on about those, but they really bothered me. But They came in quick succession. The Martinelli one at was it Villa or Walls, I not remember which one. It might be Walls. Well, he got two in no time at all, right? Yellow Cards and he was off.
1: Yeah, same, same passage of play. Right?
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And holding again, two in seven minutes, gone. We derail. We derail emotionally. It happens quick, you know, a quick moment, a penalty, Shaka against Man City, a penalty, derail, sending off, bang, events close together. And that's the immaturity, right? But it sometimes concerns you that some of the older players have those immaturities, but it's the immaturities in the group. And I was really impressed with how we started the game. Tactically, we were on top. I didn't agree with Tom Yasu playing. I understood why Nuno didn't play Elliot, because. A lot of Nuno's, shall we say, more challenging games have been away from home. And that's a very hostile environment. And I thought, you know what? They're playing the 30-year-old Portuguese international. Keep quiet, Clive. Just go with it. Have experience on the pitch. But, mate, you know what I would do? You know what I would yeah. do? I would have Nuno on the pitch because we got Granite Shaka there and he looks after people. That's what he does. Well so. didn't we
1: learn I feel like we learned a lesson in the in the losing streak when we tried to move Shaq at a left back, right? Which is keep as when when you're losing players, keep as many of your key starters in the positions that are natural to them as possible. Yeah. And and flex around that. So so that when you bring on a Nuno, all right, he's a left back playing left back with our most experienced center back beside him. You can get him through that game. Kulashevski's not gonna run him. He's a tricky player, but you keep Tomiyasu on the right hand side. You have someone to guide holding through it. And, and you have someone to really shut down, really shut down the hardest thing about playing Spurs, which is keeping Sun quiet. And also someone who could probably handle the psychology of Sun, which holding didn't do very well. Now, the other thing that struck me in the start of the game is that we stuck to our principles of play and we had the better of it. And let's be clear there were some opportunities, but I thought I saw nerves in the players. And mm. here's what I mean by that. Nerves can present themselves in a few ways. I think execution is where you see nervousness. Players not executing in high leverage moments or even just basic moments, so I'll give you two examples. One is just the way we were passing to each other. I have never seen so many passes, even just around the back, You know, easy completable passes, rolling slowly to their destination, not struck with authority. Passes weren't arriving with information on them. They weren't struck firmly to get to where they needed to go. A lot of passes were rolling, and I think that's that extra focus you're putting into it. You don't want to get it wrong. You're nervous about turning it over. Granted, Shaka, who's been so good, I mean, and he has been really good, yeah. was taking that extra touch again, was a little slow to get the ball out of his feet when there were openings. And then the other thing I noticed was just players who normally will look for the best option, settling for a pot shot when there's a better option on. So Shaka took one that he skied, and Kedia took one when Martinelli was available, which admittedly, he did work Lurice, so that wasn't terrible. Um, Saka took one really quick snapshot where he fell down. Odegaard had two where, I mean, later on when we were down, he had one that he hit too close to Lurice that was well struck, but early on, he took shots when passes were on. Um, you know, we had corner kicks that didn't beat the first man, we had that dangerous free kick after Saka got fouled on the right side and, and got them a yellow where we didn't beat the first man. And these are execution things, Clive, that I mean, we've been really good with a lot of that stuff lately. And I think maybe that's an example of the nerves coming through because even though we were playing to our principles and maybe having more of the game, we weren't executing is the way I saw it.
2: Yeah, and the fact you can re- remember all those, and I can remember them too, maybe tells us they weren't the only ones who were nervous. We were all nervous. We yep. all knew these details mattered. And this is it. This is about the occasion. Everything matters on these days, right? When Shaka's taking a shot like that, you're thinking, oh, come on, mate. It's important today. It's important today. Odegaard's oh, taking shots. He never takes those shots. It's important today.
1: We want him to shoot more, but in this case, he <laughs> <Yeah>, not <laughs> you know that mean, one. He was not that took one. took that right? too
2: far, yeah. And, yeah. and it's just the occasion, right? I, 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 I say it again, I, I felt we wanted almost too much. We wanted it too much, and we spoke before on the live stream, and we spoke about you know what we did when we went to Anfield in '89, and how we were calm for the first half. And I think Arsenal wanted to control the story of the game. They wanted the first goal. They were really keen to get the first goal to add the pressure onto Spurs quite quickly. And again, it's not hindsight because we said it. Maybe this is a game to just let the story play out be really calm and non-eventful in the first 20, 30, half-time, nil-nil at half-time. Who has the pressure? Nil-nil at half-time. They are four points behind us, nil-nil at half-time, knowing they have to win, knowing they have to win. Maybe their crowd suddenly becomes edgy. Maybe our players lift in confidence. Suddenly the volume isn't so high, and you let the story develop based on the – the margins you've created what happened is mate let's be honest we went for a knockout punch went for a knockout punch and then to hold the story of the game from there on in that's what we went for it felt to me i felt the players were excited they wanted it they were pumped up they're ready to go they want to show people how good they were and they were all just a little bit tense you know and um and we got what we got, right? We got a few aggressive plays, stupid pushes. We got people that were desperate to do well for the club and for bads and for the fans. And it just went the other way.
1: Yeah, yeah, it did. Well, so, all right. I think we, we can get to the main event. So I have a belief that you can, you know me, Clive. I am not a blame the refs, excuse the players guy. We talk about refereeing decisions here when we have to. And overwhelmingly, I think people get frustrated with me because I'm I'm a there's no conspiracy guy. I'm a, The players have to be smarter. The players have to be better. Just because you don't get the calls doesn't mean you can't go win the game still. But this one is different to me. This one is a little different. Because first of all, I watched this same guy, referee Spurs versus Liverpool. And if you want to go look at Kick Arse's um, Twitter, he's got the video. There is a shoulder barge in the back in the area by Emerson in that Liverpool game, refereed by this same referee, no call. Harry Kane goes in two studs up, flying in, same referee against Liverpool, no call. Now, I also watched the Merseyside Derby, where it was prison rules. It was no blood, no foul. And I think players have a right to go into a Derby where everything's on the line at night, Thursday, prime time, And expect that they're going to have a little bit more rough and tumble in the game and say, I've got to be up for the fight. If I'm a player going into a Derby, my mindset is the first thing you have to be able to do is be up for the fight. If you're not up for the fight, you won't earn the right to play. This is a Derby. No quarter given. No quarter given. That is the speech going into a Derby. And this very same referee, let them play in the Liverpool game. And we saw the Merseyside Derby, not to to repeat myself, but I only have so many good things I can say, so I say them twice in the podcast. (laughs) So, yes, Rob holding second yellow is a selfish, dumb, emotional moment that he probably wishes he has back. And Cedric did enough to lose us this game without the penalty. But at the end of the day, when it's nil-nil, and it's a team that likes to play on the counter versus a team that doesn't do well down a goal, and you give them a soft penalty, you set the game. What did everybody say going into this, Clive? First goal is so important. And the first goal was given with a soft penalty. It was given with a soft penalty, and I think Cedric is dumb. If he jumps, if he challenges for it, I don't think it's a penalty. If Tomiyasu's playing on the right, there's never a penalty there. So I'm not going to say there's no culpability. But they get a penalty, now they have the lead. Now they're playing in the position that they absolutely love, and we're playing in the position we absolutely hate. Rob Holding gets a yellow card for totting up, a couple of niggly fouls. I don't think it has to be a yellow. I do think the second one probably does. But if I'm Paul Tierney and I'm going into that game, my mindset is this is a Derby. It's teams that hate each other. There's a lot on the line and I'm not going to decide it unless I have to. And he decided to be officious instead, to blow the whistle a lot, to call everything. And... You know, maybe, just maybe, Rob Holding got caught not being as good at the dark arts as Sun. Because when Sun elbowed him in the head on the floor in the penalty box, Rob Holding could have held his face and rolled around and given the decision, the referee a decision to make. And I'll tell you this much. If he had done that and if it had gone to VAR, even if they don't send Sun off, Clive, maybe, just maybe, the ref has in his head later, I let Spurs get away with one. I can't now turn it around and and, and send off an Arsenal player. Because I've... I've given Spurs the leeway. So I I just think he got caught. But before we go to Holding's lack of composure, because I will accept that Holding was wound up by Son from the start. I think Paul Tierney refereed this game in a way that I've not seen Darby's refereed. And when you give Spurs the lead by giving them a penalty, you set the tone of a game where that was going to matter a lot. So... What's your take on Tierney's responsibility in this game before we get to the players' responsibility?
2: Yeah, well, you, you know me. You know what I'm going to say. you know, I want, the, I want the players to win the game, not the referee yeah. to
1: win the game. Yep. I mean, you said right? it in the City game, which yeah. was sort of a similar similar it, scenario of a, a light worse. red card and a light penalty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, worse.
2: I felt the referee, he distorted the game. Now, we can all look at ourselves. We can all be better. We could be better podcasters. We can say better things, right? We can all be better, right? So, and there were things wrong on the Cedric. You know, he didn't. Know, he didn't have his body opened out. He didn't know what to do. He dropped in too deep. Um, he, they, had, they were overloaded on the back post. And you know what? He wasn't in position to challenge. If you're not in position to challenge, and then you challenge stupidly, you might not get the benefit of the doubt. I felt it was soft for the most first moment in the game. That's basically you're giving a goal. You know, so that was a concern yep. for me.
0: Yep.
2: Um, with the holding thing, I I felt Rob Holding has a a default game. When he normally gets aggressive, he normally plays really, really well. And we like to see him do it when he does that. When he gets aggressive and all macho, we like to see him do it. But you can't do that on an island on your own with the light shining on you. You just have to do this as a collective and so what there needs to be a bit of rotational fouling shall we say to make sure you get around that person but i did feel and i've got a bit of a tv view i didn't go to the game i felt the whole temperature of the evening just felt against us everything it felt like we were being we were being discussed in a slightly different way and i look i'm an Arsenal fan. i may not be the best person to talk about bias against us, but I do try to open my eyes up and listen and hear, and it just felt like we were the bad guys in the movie. You know, from the minute the game started, from the fact that we didn't play that game in January, we were the bad guys in the movie. You guys have got this coming to you. There you go. Deal with this. Bang. That's, That's what it felt like to me. You know, everything... You know, I heard Saw Mark and Keon today talking about they replayed all the Arsenal fouls, but we didn't get much of to Tottenham fouls getting replayed. There was a temperature around us that was hot. And we walked into it. So as fans, we look at ourselves and what could we do better? What could we do better as a group? We could have done this with Tommy Asser, we could have done this, we could have we could have got crowd scenes around holding. We could have done we could have left Cesar Young alone because he wasn't really a danger as a decoy. Keep Cedric inside. We could have done a number of things tactically to change the scenarios we ended up with. But in the end, the referee decided the temperature of the game and he made that game hot for us and it's cost us that game. And the challenge is now to make sure it doesn't cost us anything
1: else. I think if Cedric jumps, he probably doesn't get the penalty. You know, if he if he challenges in the air, I think the way he challenged, the, the, He's facing the wrong way I have to ad- he well, the one angle that I have to admit made me not have sympathy for Tierney, but sort of get it. If you look at the camera angle from the pitch level where Tierney was, it looks like like Gabriel throws a shoulder into him. It looks the worst looking angle is the angle Tierney had. But my ultimate reaction here is that Paul Tierney was overwhelmed by the moment. That he yeah. was overwhelmed by the by the crowd, by the bright lights. I'm refereeing the primetime game to decide top four. Look at me, Ma. Hey, look at me. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. And he had Mike Dean in the VAR booth. And maybe Mike Dean gave him a little whisper in his ear and said, Mate, the way you handle a game like this is you make it about you, buddy. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. I'm a celebrity ref. I know this stuff. I'm not, not going in there. <laughs> and, yeah, well, I mean, the, you know, the, I, I just, I don't know. I, I think it... I think it was a a bad performance from Tierney. Let's not forget their corner kick goal. They win that corner kick from a set piece, uh, from a free kick. And the free kick they won was Bukayo Saka getting his ankle stepped on, studs right down his ankle. So it wasn't just that Tierney gave the 50-50s to Spurs to decide the match. I just thought he was poor, period. Um, Now, we can pivot a little bit to the personal responsibility. Let me say this. I thought Cedric dropped a 3 out of 10. And I think he's been dropping 3 out of 10s. And I think he's been skating on some results going our way that have led to us not being as critical of him. I think he's just been bad. I thought he was bad against Leeds. The fact of the matter is that this team is trying to get where it wants to go on the back of a lot of squad players. And we can get to that in a minute. But with respect to Cedric, the penalty isn't great, although I think he's harshly punished. But shortly thereafter, he gives a nothing ball away under no pressure. And Kane nutmegs Gabriel, and he's in. And if Tomiyasu doesn't make one of the best blocks I've seen all season, they're 2-0 up right there. So a lot of focus has been on Rob Holding, and we'll we'll finish on Holding in a minute, but I thought Cedric was poor. And I think, I I have to say, Clive, I think the trust that Cedric has been shown over Nuno is, is interesting and a mistake, and I think it's weird because Nuno came back in to start this good run, right? I mean, it was leaving him out and moving Shaq at a left back that a lot of people felt was responsible for us dropping games like Brighton, and Southampton. Nuno coming back in did what he was asked to do. And I, I just don't know why he hasn't been trusted. I'm not, and I'm not trying to pretend Nuno's great and he doesn't have a, an error in him. But, but Cedric, I thought, was really poor. I mean, do you have thoughts on Cedric's play, you know, and just the decision to continue with him? Because I, I think it's cost us. I really do. Yeah, well,
2: again, I, I, I stood there at West Ham, I listened to the fans at West Ham, and they weren't they weren't having Nuno at all. And I, and I think some of this is driven by the analysis on TV, and I'm watching these games, and I'm telling you, I'm watching these games. I know he knocks off sometimes when he's close to goal, sometimes. The handball, I can't explain it against United with it. I can't explain it. We didn't get punished, thankfully. So there are things that happen. I, so I spoke about him resting out of possession in, with more concentration, you know. Again, that comes with minutes. He's only played around 20 games, top flight games. And so he needs to develop that concentration over 90 minutes. But what I like about a player like him is I can plan around him. I can say, okay, I know what you want to do. This is what I want you to be defensively. You got a lefty coming off onto his right onto your onto your right foot. You're quite you know, two footed. You can handle him. But you don't have to go and challenge him. You can delay him and feed him into Shaka's lane. You can just teach him to do that, right? And then but when you get the ball, I want you to go. I want you to challenge them. And I want Martin Eddie to drop inside to lane four, lane three, and, and get around Eddie and be a goal threat. I can deal with that. I can deal with that elbow left hand side. I can deal with it because Shaka's suited for it. He's a natural bodyguard. Do you know what I mean? He bodyguards everybody. He looks after centre back, looks after and then he looks after left back. Give me three jobs, mate. I can handle that. That's that felt natural to me. And what it does, it allows Tom Yasu to be on the strength, the stabilizer. I don't need you to go forward. I need you to stabilize this defense and make sure when they go left sided by us, like we want to do we've got our best Mm. one-on-one defender in wide areas ready to deal with it. That's the way I would have gone. As I said to you earlier, a coach always had his priorities and I think he really wanted to have a flexible back four, back five. But when he was in that back five, he wanted Gabriel in the centre. To do that, he had to play the full-backs on the other side. And I think it's the wrong priority and I I really do think that two seasons now, we've got ourselves into some sort of left-back problem and... Last year we got it wrong and it cost us Europa League. The team that beat us got to the Champions League semi final. So what does that say, right? And this year,
1: that Unai Emery is a cup, a cup manager.
2: <laughs> and this year, and this year, we're looking at the difference between seventy, eighty million to twenty five, thirty million if we finish fourth or fifth, right? About the situation for me. It's about trusting the left back that you had, right? So, I'm look. We may have lost this in another way with Nuno playing there, but he's an in, he's an investment for us. But uh, but look, but I don't I don't, want, I don't want to overdo the Nuno thing, but you know what I will say to, to he's, you, he's
1: yeah. Go ahead. In sorry. this
2: game, in, what in this game for me, I I would have played him, uh, and I just don't understand. I don't understand it. I don't see a player that's that bad that you can't play him. Is, you know, I, I do this all the time. Spurs had Cessignon and Emerson Royale. I, I don't see them as really good footballers. They played them. They, they're suited for win-back roles. They played them. You know, play the players that are suited for position and the areas of the grass you want to cover. You know, they've got Davis in their defence. Should we
1: average. have matched them in a five? Should we have matched them?
2: Well, we sort of did. We just went flexible in and out, right? We sort of did, and that's the issue. But by doing that, I think we nullified people. We nullified Martinelli a little bit. Um, And look, I'm not going to kill the manager over the tactical side of things. I just think he prioritized a system which allowed two of our weaker players to manage one of the best forwards in the league. And I thought that was a risk too far for me. I would have said, you know what? Granny, look after Nuno, left-hand side. Tommy, go and sort Son out. Make sure he doesn't. he's not a problem. And when Cesare Young comes in, can you sort him out as well? And he can do that. Yeah. You know, And yeah. we just got that wrong.
1: Yeah, look, I, I think no one's going to be thinking about this more than Arteta, right, over the next few days. And I, I bet he wishes, And I bet the players wish they could play Newcastle today because they're going to want that sting out of their mind. And like maybe psychologically the upshot of the way this went is that they will be desperate to go out and make it right on Monday as opposed to, you know, Spurs maybe having a little hangover on Sunday. We'll see how that goes. I think um, the, the interesting thing is, Clive, there were a few moments, I mean, to get to some of the bright moments, like before the penalty and the sending off, we had some good opportunities, and even after the penalty. So, like, Tomiyasu, who I thought was brilliant in this game and I think is probably our best signing of last summer. I mean, he that's just my, looks... That's my opinion. I mean, Odegaard is certainly uh, maybe more influential because of how available he's been. Tomiyasu's biggest issue has been availability, but he's been brilliant. He had that fantastic block that I mentioned on Kane, but he also had that lovely through ball to Martinelli, and Martinelli got in on the left and then cut it back, and it was just, I think, taken off Odegaard's toe at the very last minute. Yep. Um, I thought Martinelli was our, our most dangerous player, and a lot of that, I think, was down to the, the linking play with with Tomiyasu. And then, in fact, I think we were 1-0 down. Lloris spilled the ball to Odegaard. I thought Odegaard did really poorly. He can just slide it back to Cedric and the whole goal is open with three or four Arsenal players in the area. And Odegaard instead sort of tries to trick his way around and Lloris gets back on the ball. There were moments. There were openings. I just don't think we executed when the time was right. And then, you know, obviously the red card kills this game. Now, it doesn't have to. I don't think it's fair to say you should capitulate just because you're down a goal and down a man. I mean, leads are terrible. And at 2-0 up and up a man, we still managed to make that a nervy finish. Like, it's possible to stay in the game, and we didn't. So criticism is deserved there. But I do want to just ask you about Rob Holding losing his head. He was obviously, obviously in his mind needing to be physical and aggressive with Son. He was tied up with him from the word go. And I remember I was doing watch-along and I said at one point, I get that you need to be up for, for the fight in the Derby, but is, is holding getting too involved here? Don't give yeah. the referee a chance to decide the game. And whether or not he deserved the first yellow and whether or not the penalty was harsh, which I think is all fair, I don't think there's any debate over the second yellow. When you're on that yellow card, if Rob Holding had picked up a second yellow with a diving in tackle last ditch trying to stop a goal, you shrug your shoulders and say he was put in a tough spot. Rob Holding picked up his second yellow on a nothing piece of play where he decided to have a nibble. He decided, I'm, I'm going to leave one on, son. And that is a selfish decision. He'd been riled up by the player. He's angry. He's overhyped. He's over-emotional. And I think the occasion got the better of him. Much in the way, I think it got the better of Paul Tierney. I think it got the better of Holding. And that's the thing. When you know, I think we always think, Clive, that what makes starters and elite players better than the subs is just their talent with their body. But the six inches between your ears is part of talent, too. It's the roof and on the
2: house, as Wenger said. It's the it's roof on yeah. the house.
1: And, and it, it caved in on Rob Holding in, in, in a critical moment.
2: So, hey, look, So what, what is Rob Holding, right? So he's somebody that's a great deep block defender. so a great friend in games. We stick him on five at the back. Thank you very much. Go home with the points. Uh, we know he's a passable centre-back against probably half of the league. Probably. The top half of the league, he gets challenged more. And he gets challenged by, by movement. Particularly lateral movement. So, Son was pretty smart. He was starting wide and coming inside at pace, and Holding was he force holding into wide areas. Cedric just he's happy looking for a job to do. So he had gone off onto Sessignon. Stupid, right? So um, that should have been spotted by the coaching staff. Stay in a block four at the back. Give Holding some protection. Just give bodies around. Me, yeah. So things every tackle doesn't look like a, an orange because when you are isolated in space. People think you're stopping the man from going somewhere else. So that becomes a bookable mm-hmm. offense. Right. And that's what happened on both occasions. He was alone on the screen, fighting away. Right. So so when you're a centre back like Holding, who whose weakness is movement, you have a couple of options. So if you if you're a deep line defense, great, not much space behind you, I can see everything in front of me. I can go and deal with it. We all know he can do that. But when he's slightly higher up, then he has a decision to make. Do I drop off? Well, we're not dropping off. We're staying high. We're pressing. Well, I better go tight then. And he got very tight. If Rob Holding plays that game against Harry Kane, the same game, Harry Kane is is also a bit of a macho man. So it becomes an arm wrestle. Well, Son doesn't want an arm wrestle. He wants the guy carded. So it's the wrong game for Son. The right game for Diego Costa. The right game for Harry Kane. You know, the right game for the matter man Mancela Ford that said, okay, let's have it today. And the referee will let you do it. But what Spurs did, cutely, they said, nah, we don't we don't want it with him. We want him off the pitch. And Harry Kane was in the referee's ear, refereeing the game like he always does, and he got him off the pitch, right? And Rob Holding got suckered in. We need, to, we need to step away from the fight. Sometimes you can't win it. Sonny's very cute. You can't win it. Step away from the fight drop away into a mid-lower block and say, okay, let's see us out to a half-time and just breathe, just breathe. This game has a story to develop. What we did is we were all pumped up and we let the game story be dictated by Son, Kane, the referee, and some smart tactical adjustments between Liverpool and playing us by Conte and how he used the left flank and the left wing back to sucker us out of that hole and leave holding alone. And I'm afraid we got done, mate. We got done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we did. And if you look at, if you look at the goals after the penalty, um, you know, I mentioned that Kane could have had one if Tomi doesn't have a, a diving save. That was a bad giveaway, but like there were some fundamental errors. I, I just think like the corner kick goal, they never should have the corner because they never should have the set piece that leads to the corner because Zach got his ankle trot on. But the defensive line stepped up and Kettia didn't go with them. No one has eyes on Kane and is facing the ball. He doesn't see Kane for Kane to be isolated. You know, the most dangerous player on their team and one of the most dangerous players in the league to be isolated at the back post with nobody marking him and nobody looking at him and not stepping up. Like those are, those are basic errors. I don't think being down to 10 men means you have to concede that goal. Um, mm. Two back post goals. The now. Third- Leeds
2: was a similar goal, wasn't it? Back post roll off around the corner. You know, and now this yeah. one as well. So you have to, you do have to have some sort of context that probably our best or second best header of the ball wasn't on the pitch, and we lost the first jewel and lost the second jewel. I sort of,
1: yeah, I sort of have to. Sort I think of hold if my there's plan. a man alone on the back post, and that man is the leading goal scorer of the league for, you know, the last four or five seasons, then mm. you'll have to hold your hand up and say, we got something wrong there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and maybe,
2: I'm not sure what the detail would have been. Would Eddie have been there in a normal 11-man game? Maybe not. Maybe he'd be on the edge of the area for the blocked shots. Hey, look, it, it, I, I tend to not worry about so much of the game post the sending off because it's a different game. It's a different story then. Why well, I did notice, Eddie. I, I, I want to know if you feel the same... I do feel, away from home versus the very best teams, we need all our top boys available. I don't think we can manage to, you know, and I will class Spurs as a difficult place to go, Liverpool City, and maybe Manchester United. Those four places are really, really tough for us. We seem to do quite well at Chelsea, strangely enough. But they're tough for us, and we need our boys there. We can't have the situation where we have people in with the wrong attributes in the wrong holes in the pitch. because I tell you what, those edges become, they become frayed and they become really visible. The frayed edges yeah. become visible. That is the best sides. So all of a sudden uh, West Ham, it's okay. We can, we can focus. We're okay. We can deal with them. They're not quite at it. They're a little bit tired. We can deal with them. We've had some great wins at Leicester walls Villa. It's okay. We can deal with them against the top boys you need your top boys you need your top boy and we didn't have ours we didn't you know we didn't have ben white in the right hand slot with tommy asu this is all over it is it's not even a conversation we're having this morning it's not a conversation it's just like okay what you got if you want to go to feet we can nick it off you because we're sharp in the challenge you want to go over the top we'll go over the top let's let's have a run let's have a race shall we you're not going to win yep. that. You put, you put Cedric and, and Holding in there. One is two foot three, and he's physically challenged in the air, and doesn't want to get into those battles. He wants to defend by not being there, by pressing on. Do you see what I mean? And that, all that does is exposes all of Holding's weaknesses, which is, don't leave me alone, please. Leave me in a low yep. block with bodies around me. So those edges were exposed by the players we had on the pitch, who, by the way, have got us to this point. We have to remember yes, that. Yes. We have to remember that.
1: And But there's a limit, right? I mean, there's a limit to how far you're going to go using 30-year-old backup central midfielder, 20-year-olds up front, including, you know, a guy that had been out in the cold for most of the season, um, backup center back, backup right back, right back to left back. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a limit to how far you're going to go. And I, I think that's okay. You know, the funny thing is a lot of people... Whenever we lose, it feels like the thing people want to go back to is, oh, should have strengthened in January. I didn't hear anyone saying we should get a right back in January or a left back in January or a center back in January. And the irony is what's really cost us is not the striker we didn't get because let's be fair to Eddie, he's done enough to get us where we needed to go. Obviously, you know, it didn't work out in this game, but that's not why we dropped the points here. Um, You know, and some people might have said we need to get another midfielder. But again, midfield wasn't what, what cost us. We needed another fullback. We need another center back. And, you know, maybe, just maybe, this is a reminder that when you give second and third contracts or, you know, keep players who are not at the level to be backups, when they're called on, you're going to see the limit of what they can do. Now, the flip side to that is most backups are going to be limited at some level. You look at Liverpool and... They had to rely on some backup defenders last season. They barely made top four. So um, I, I want to talk about the postponement, the narrative around the postponement and, and the injuries and how we cope and what happens from here. But before we do that, I want to say that like, um, it's time to be good to yourself. Like really, really be good to yourself. These are going to be a hard few days and it's going to be a stressful 180 minutes of football ahead, I believe. And so you can take care of your mind and your body. And the way I do that is by taking Athletic Greens AG1 every day. You know, it's funny, right? Really, like, I, find, I find some habits hard to start. This was such an easy habit to start because I was able to throw out a whole cabinet full of probiotics and vitamins and gummies that I was taking. By the way, those gummies, like they're not good for you. Um, and just take AG1. And and it has been a really impactful supplement for me. And if you're saying, what the heck is it? Well, what's good about it is, first of all, it's all the vitamins you, vitamins you need. It's adaptogens. It's probiotics. It's all the stuff you're supposed to be taking. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, Probiotics and adaptogens all in one glass of water that tastes great. And I find uh, I use it for energy. I use it for gut health. I definitely have issues with gut health, and it's been a big changer for me there. Um, you know, a few things to know, by the way, because I know whenever people want to start these kind of things, they say, well, I'm paleo or I'm keto or I'm gluten free or whatever the case may be. It works for keto, for paleo, for vegan, for dairy free, for gluten free. Um, it contains less then one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, anything like that. So you can use it uh, that way. You're basically getting a day of all of those benefits for the cost of a cup of you know, uh, fancy coffee. It has over 7,000 five-star reviews. And it's recommended by professional athletes. So you got a lot of professional athletes taking this. Um, one other thing I should mention is that like, The subscription you're going to get is come with a year's supply of vitamin D as well as travel packets. So if you are someone who's on the road a lot or if you live in places that don't get a lot of sun in the winter, that's really helpful. Right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. Not a million pills, not a million supplements. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash vision. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash vision to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, health sorted, check. Well, the next thing you do is make sure that your business is healthy. What makes business healthy? Good talent. Good talent, right? We're sitting here today discussing a disappointing result because maybe we didn't have the talent we needed on the pitch in this game. That's Okay. They did their best. They'll do their best in the next two and get us Champions League. But you can have the best talent in your business when you use Indeed. That's right. Indeed is the one job site that lets you attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Join the more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Wire. And here's what you're going to get. One of my favorite features with Indeed is Instant Match. I've been through the job process before on both sides of it. And I think the hard thing can be, if you're on a website looking for a job, you don't know which job to apply to. And if you're a company trying to hire, you don't know who to how to attract the right people. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get quality candidates that meet your must-have requirements, and then you can invite them to apply. So that candidate will be like, ooh, this company wants me. That creates that attachment. It creates a, a better likelihood of a match. And if you don't get those candidates, you don't pay. So, I mean, I think that is a really nice feature because you're paying for the service when it works the way it's supposed to. Okay, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. So these are the guys to go with. Start hiring right now with that $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Wire. Go to Indeed.com slash Wire to claim your $75 sponsored job credit. <coughs> This is limited. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need indeed. Clive, is that enough of that? Indeed. Uh, You nail it. Every time. Every time. You're reliable. Unlike the refereeing in the Premier League. Look, one of the things that made last night brutal. It's it's funny. uh, This did not feel acute to me. And I think the thing that hurt me more than anything, Clive, is we built this game up and then it was a damp squib for the last hour. We didn't get a spectacle. We didn't get a heated derby. Paul Tierney d- decided this derby with a little help from Arsenal players, and then we had this sort of batan death march to the final whistle, and it, it just didn't feel like an event. But the other thing that made it a tough night, and and I don't know what was going on, but the media was like as pro Spurs as it's going to get. And I think some of this was down to the Arsenal were cheaters when they got the original game postponed. That is obviously a nonsense. I mean, you look at what Liverpool did to get our cup tie postponed, and I don't see the outrage about that. And that literally had fraud attached to it that that has been investigated subsequently. But I want to ask you with the postponement, setting aside what the mainstream media was saying about the game, because who the hell cares what they think? I think we got it wrong postponing that match. Now, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I can understand why at the time we might have thought we were being clever. But when you look at a Spurs team that wouldn't have had Sun and didn't have Kulishewski, and didn't have Betancourt, and, you know, wasn't exactly playing great. And Conte had just arrived, I believe, just arrived. And, all right, we were missing players, too. But in retrospect, do you think that that decision ultimately looks, I mean, it's easy to say because we lost 3-0, but can you put yourself back in the mindset of getting that game postponed and think about whether or not that winds up looking like a miscalculation?
2: I don't think it was a calculation. I think it was just, look, there was, at that time, I know it's, it's a short while ago, but there was a lot of COVID around at that time. We had the African Nations at that time. And there was a scenario with the Premier League of voted on that if you had so many injuries, players away at African Nations, and you yes, had COVID, you could apply for a postponement. And if you reach the criteria, you could have that postponement asked also apply for a postponement. They got the game postponed. Um you only apply for a postponement if you have the criteria met. You have all the medical documents, etc. 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 The way the media grabbed it was because they it was a big sky game and they wanted it on that week. And it was a slot made available for us and we didn't take it. Yeah. And we suffered because of it. And there are I don't know how many, I think about twenty odd games that were lost over that period. But I bet you can't remember another one the only one you remember that was cancelled I
1: remember the Liverpool
2: one yeah you know the only ones you remember the ones that we did right the general public is going to remember that and hey look I at that time I knew we had no team so we would have got beaten then without a doubt they had more of a team than us hence they were annoyed they knew we were incredibly weak with injuries and absenteeism they could say quite rightly they could say well lots of teams have injuries and we know about the African nations for a long time. Well, we didn't know about the African nations because it got moved. It got moved belatedly, hence the rules came in. And that's what okay. happened, right? So, And so, but it is what it is, right? We, we suffered for that, and we lost the PR war. And that's what they're trying to do to us right now, is to really put a PR war around how emotional and undisciplined we are and how we're yep. not well run and we're weak. And we we that that stuff the stuff that bothers me it really bothers me because my natural defense mechanisms kick in and I want to defend everything that's Arsenal related right so that's the stuff that bothers me it's as though we what are we are we sitting in like some sort of pub team have we not have we not got here on our own rights we're thirty six games into yep. the season. And we're sitting there. We are there. a point
1: ahead of Spurs. We are a point... Yeah. Like, people are acting like, you know, we're, we're in mid-10. Like, we are one point ahead of the team. Everybody loves it because they just beat us with help from the referee. I don't understand yeah. the narrative at all.
2: It, exactly. And this is what you... This is this is something that's... <laughs> I find it perplexing, right? It's as almost so we're like i I've always said this earlier. You heard me say it before. It's like we're a foreign club in the Premier League. Like we We just like... We yeah. don't belong here. We're like what's going on? I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, hold on, really, what about the things we are doing right? What about the things that we're doing right that Manchester United are now going to follow? You know, what about the things we are doing right and regenerating the squad with a lot of young players, we have the youngest team in the league, blah, 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 we all, we know and young we all,
1: English players, which I don't hear them praising us for. You we know, don't we get hear, any praise for that. Spurs get praised when they do it, you know, when they deliver Harry Kane. But we, we're delivering all kinds of young English talent.
2: Yeah, and and there'll be more to come. And uh, and and it's like, hold on, what what's going on here? I'm not sure. I think there's a. If I want to look into it, I, I look, I don't want to get involved. It's honest, but the Manchester United, Liverpool. Uh, not say bias, but presence. Syndicate? <laughs> presence in the Premier League is uh, in everything we watch is uh, significant. And I will say, and it's something that I, I know that the club are pleased to see that some of the Arsenal legends come back to the club and join what's happening because they don't want to see some of our legends destroy and criticise from a distance that may be not so prevalent as some of the other clubs. We need to create a unity in that regard as well. And some of those people need to stop and worry about the jealousies, et cetera, and where they should think they should be working, et cetera, and focus on supporting the club, you know. And um, I don't care who people want to attach that to. You know, there's lots of criticism around what Thierry Henry says recently. And and I'm thinking, well, he's the best player to the paper club, but I don't care, mate. Emmanuel
1: Petit, these people... We need to create. Thierry Henry is bulletproof for me. I'm sorry, he can say. I mean, he can say whatever the hell he wants. He's
2: yeah, well, he's the best player to ever play for the club, without doubt, right? But I don't. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, I have a saying. Right? You just. I. I would like to see a lot more support for what's happening. I, I don't care who listens now, what they say. I want to see a lot more support for what's happening. And when we do some bad stuff, then, yeah, we've got to get some criticism. But what we're doing right now is a lot better than what we've done in recent years. And more people are recognizing it. we want to make sure that we get recreate our own sort of kingdom around our club, right, and not chip away at yeah, ourselves. I
1: would say this, right? If you want to criticize something that you see happening on the pitch or decision that was made, if you want to engage in what I consider – analysis, right? Bog standard punditry. That's fine. I can think of people and I you know, I hate to name names, but I will in this case. Like Stuart Robson for example is someone who clearly had a problem with Wenger. Yep. And for many, many years when you heard Stuart Robson talk, he was having a go. And so his analysis stopped feeling objective. I don't expect anyone who just because they played for Arsenal to say everything Arsenal is doing is good all the time. No. I've heard Ian Wright, who everybody loves and is clearly a cheerleader for the club and a supporter of the club, be critical of things we've done. Yeah, I'm fine with analysis that seems to be objective and based on what you're viewing with your... We want that. We want to have honest conversations. It's when it rises to the level of feeling like it's a grudge or it's personal. And like Robson and I, I hate to beat up on any individual, but that's one that, for example, to me, felt like it rose to the level of being more than objective analysis. But... To be
2: honest well, i we, I shouldn't be so sensitive about it, right? to be honest it's not it shouldn't be important, it. it shouldn't be important, but when I'm sitting there watching a game of an evening and I'm looking at these people, I'm thinking, "Come on, man, stand up for our club, you're there, stand up for them. We're getting ripped apart. Don't let the narrative be created around our club without you standing up." Because there are many other people who like to sit in those studios and say, "Oh, yeah, I will stand up for our club properly with facts, with information, with data," and say, "Yeah, you're not getting away with that. You're not getting away with that." And I, it's not important, but it, it did ruin it ruined it for me last night. It, it really did. It ruined it. The bias around it made me think, what, "What's going on here? What is going on?" I don't think we're a bad club. We may not. Have, we may so. have had a bad
1: evening, it, but I, I don't so. think we're a bad club. It, it was the analysis that ruined it for you last night. I got, I got about a Yeah, well the the things. football the, the football 3-0 loss ruined it for me.
2: Yeah, well the football <laughs> takes care of itself, right? And then you look at yep, the fo- yeah. the football takes care of itself. So you look at you look at the temperature around the game. And I will say to you, look, I did not like how we were painted to be the bad guy in this game. I didn't like it. So maybe mm-hmm. you call it the analysis, you call it if you like. I did not like being painted the bad guy in this game. I don't think we deserve to. I'm sitting there looking at this league table. I'm sitting there looking at what we've done this year. I'm sitting there looking at our points total. I'm thinking, hold on a minute. We're doing something unique here with this level of team, with these players, with the age of these players, with the experience of our manager. We're doing something that should be looked at slightly differently. Yeah. You know, don't fall for old narratives just because you used to play for Manchester United. I, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like you,
1: that. You know what this reminds me of, though, a little bit? <clears throat> Thierry Henry was – he? there's a video out there where he talks about the – the, you know, winning the league at White Hart Lane and how Spurs came back and actually drew that game against us. Mm-hmm. And they were celebrating like you would won something and he's like, you know, they told me ahead of time not to celebrate on that pitch. But after seeing how they celebrated this draw, not realizing that we'd won the league on their ground, I decided we were going to celebrate and we did go celebrate. If you're Mikel Arteta, you have to say, look at that. They just had their Super Bowl in their NFL stadium. But we're going to finish ahead of them. You still get to stick two fingers up to that team. You still get to win the war. And all you got to do is go win two games. And all of us in this dressing room, if we had been offered that opportunity to go to Newcastle and go home to Everton and win those two games and be top four, we would have taken it. We are in a position right now that we've earned not over one loss, but over 36 games of a season. 36 games of a season has us a point ahead of Spurs. 36 games of a season has us on the doorstep of Champions League. That's what matters. It stings to lose the Derby, and it stings to lose it that way, but I think Mikel is right to, in his comments. I, I'm wondering what you think about his post-match comments because I think he took the right approach. Whether you think it's the player's fault or not, whether you think I'm giving the players too much of an out by saying that Tierney, that I think Tierney refereed this match wrongly, and, and again, that's not excuse. We've gone through all this. I think Mikel Arteta is right to create the siege mentality and say, if I say anything about this, I'll be suspended for six months. I want to be on the touchline on Monday, so I'm not going to say anything. Because if you've got to go into that dressing room and there are a lot of heads that will have gone down and you've got to lift them in time for Monday, the easiest way to lift them is say, the Premier League didn't want you to win this. Sky didn't want you to win this. They want their top four battle to go down to the wire. This was stolen from you. This was a disgrace. Now you go out and stick it to them because we are still a point ahead of Spurs and we've earned that over 36 games. I I think that's the only right way to approach it because the alternative is to say what? We, We weren't up for it mentally. We let ourselves down. I don't think you can afford to do that with two games to go. So do you think, whether or not we think the players deserve some blame, which of course they do. It's football. Do you think Mikel is right? to take that sort of siege mentality they're out to get us kind of approach in the post-match?
2: I think he he was right to say what he said, not because he was right about what he said. That's immaterial. But the fact he said it brings a focus onto him and not onto the players. Because right now, we need the players to be nice and calm and focus on their recovery and their details and how they're going to play on Monday night. Because it pains Monday me to night, say
1: it, but Jose Mourinho was the master of that before he kind of lost it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Just, do, just say something which brings the pressure onto you as an individual and people will fall for it. They're, they're, all the people are not sure about Arteta will start to go through their Arteta bingo card and say all the things that he's <laughs> done wrong and and bring up all the names of the people that he should have kept in the dressing room, all the relationships he's got wrong, all the games where he's picked the wrong team, all the games he had the wrong substitution. The fact that he didn't buy this player in January and that player in January, all the list of things will come up, right? And and he can take them for two days because while he's doing that, Gabriel, hopefully he's recovering from injury. Tommy is resting his legs. Martelli thinking, yeah, I'm going to do my job this week. I'm going to make sure we get the goals at Newcastle. And the people that we need us to turn up on Monday night are actually not getting any stick in the press, They're just sitting there preparing themselves, resting their minds, resting their bodies for what we need for them on Monday night and staying away from the rubbish that's in the press where you think they've just lost everything, where they've got everything to gain. And that's going to be the mental challenge to remind people, by the way, this is in your hands you've got everything to gain. Don't be psychologically out-thought about this because nothing has changed. We still have it in our hands. It just would have been nice to have it done already. That's all that's happened.
1: Yeah, let me give you the nominees for manager of the season that just came out. By the way, Thomas Frank at Brentford, Pep Guardiola at City, Eddie Howe at Newcastle. Yeah, it's been there ten minutes. Jurgen Klopp at Leicester, and Patrick Vieira. At uh, yeah, Klopp.
2: Jurgen Klopp. Liverpool, not Leicester.
1: Uh, uh, Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, who 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 even cares? Um, no, Mikel Arteta. Which, maybe that's a little bulletin board material for him. And in addition to that bulletin board material, because if Mikel Arteta takes this Arsenal team patched up with squad players to top four, to not be in that list is is nonsense. The other bulletin board material is what Conte said. I have to give Conte a tip of the cap to be able to criticize Mikel for complaining too much in in a... response where he complains about having to play on sunday yeah um
2: and by the way he's I also right funny because Conte
1: literally well, yeah but Conte literally spent this whole season complaining about being at spurs and not wanting to be there yeah. and, and now he's upset with arteta for what for com- complaining too much I, I don't know i mean i he needs to get arteta's name out of his mouth and and shut up and focus on his own house but like I think it's good bulletin board material. They got a lot of reasons to want to shove this down Spurs' throat over the next two games. There should be well, no motivational issues here.
2: Yeah, yeah. So Conte did it beautifully. He um, He's now put the focus on little Lowell Arteta, the young inexperienced coach, and he's just sort of um, bodied him, made him look young and small. Hey, look, I know what we feel in our hearts as, as fans and supporters is let's go show them. It's that. Let's go show them stuff. Just got so us the emotional red cards. Let's just focus on being calm and controlled and being good at football, because that's the way you get people back. You don't get people back by doing what Rob Holding did last night. Was almost to be too pumped up for the occasion because you end up mm. you end up costing your teams a lot. You know, you cost yourself the next game. Potentially, Gabriel's doing a lot more work and he's pulled up. This is a huge, this is a big price to pay for not controlling your emotions, for not recognising the moment. And if Nuno Tavares had done it, we would, at least we could say he was inexperienced. This is his first season in the league. But we talk about our experienced players who have helped us significantly, just got overcome by the moment. And he wasn't alone. There were many others on the pitch that were overcome by the moment. I think we'll be better for it, I said. he says, hopefully. And I think we're going to another hostile ground at Newcastle on Monday night, their last home game of the season and all their injured players that have been out for ages are suddenly resurrecting and coming out to play against Arsenal to say hello to the fans and and no doubt usher in a new era of expensive transfers over the summer. So they're about to turn a new page and Monday night live on TV and Arsenal turning up there with, with no defenders on the pitch. It doesn't, feel good if you want to go down that path. Or you can say, well, actually let's just outscore them. Let's outscore them. Let's do what we need to do. So here's a challenge. I can't say to you, Elliot, that I don't have the same fears as everybody else. I have the same fears that we're it's having. Natural. We're having the uh-oh moment. We're having that, Here we go. The uh-oh moment.
1: We want we, it really bad. Yeah. And, and there's a lot at stake. Of course you're going to be nervous, Cla- like yeah. I, I think that's natural, but like, the challenge, right, for the players is to not be nervous. Easier said than done. But, I, I mean, look, a couple of things here now to consider. Firstly, Bukayo Saka doesn't look totally fit to me, which is understandable because he gets kicked and stomped on every single match. Yeah. He was a doubt for this game, whether that was bring, you know gamesmanship or not. He, we, we were told he was a doubt for this game. I was a little surprised he was left on. And he would have been my first substitution. Hour mark, 55-minute mark. Game's dead. You know they they get a goal right after halftime that seals it. Do you have any issue with Saka being left on? I mean, I get that he's in phenomenal shape and seems like he can play ninety minutes every week. But you know that's true until it isn't true. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I worry about his minutes. Full stop. Right? He's played a lot of minutes and he's a player that seems to be becoming more and more explosive. But lately, he's barely finished the game. Has he? He's barely finished the game and. To me, he's carrying something, and I was thinking at one point when he was playing wing-back in the second half, that just get Nuno on, and then Gabriel went down, and went, I'm glad Nuno wasn't on. Do you see what I mean? And, and so things worked out, and he had to stay on for the rest of the game, and he seemed to manage himself really well. This is the business end of the season, right? Everything changes in all of their contracts if they are in the Champions League. They want to be out there. This is it. This is the moment. Um, the time to rest him was gone, the time to give you a little sit-down had gone. Since he came back from England, he got COVID, he, he's been on the edge of something ever since. That's what it felt like to me. And um, I hope he gets a rest. <laughs> I'm so glad he'll get a rest in the summer, but obviously he's going to be playing for the World Cup for England in in, in the middle of winter. So he needs this break. But right now, it's just one of those things it we just need to see. He needs to give us two more games because whatever we need to do, we're not going to achieve it without him. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean no one's gonna know better than Mikel Arteta how Saka's feeling. So uh, you, you have to trust that instinct. But of all the players that were out there to finish this game, he was one that felt like he didn't need to be.
2: I felt um, ourselves were quite bright, don't you think? I thought Smithrow looked quite bright when he came on. I thought I thought Nuno looked I didn't see a problem at all, but maybe I'm biased and I just wanna not talk about it. And and I thought Lacazette like I, I love it looked, it with you,
1: I don't have a memory. Yeah, well, last, I'm, I'm the telling last you, right? So, of this game. I'm yeah. telling yeah.
2: you, and when Lacazette came on, he looked back. He looked fiery again. He started to move again. You know, I thought, oh, that's interesting. People need to be rotated They need time out. And Saka's not had that time. Odegaard's not had that time. When yeah. they're tired, they have to play through it because they are special players and we need them. When it gets to a point next year where they can sit down, you know, Ben White he's been bandaged up for ages. We've seen the we've seen the pictures. He's finally broke. Gabriel, around the time he had had his baby, he needed to be sat down. He couldn't be sat down because he's too good. We don't win without him. right? So we know what's wrong. Well, we're
1: going to have to find a way to, Clive.
2: Yeah, we, we, we know what's wrong, right? We know what's wrong. It's a depth issue. We've been cheating the hangman, and it finally caught up with us last night. Can we recover some bodies in time for Monday night?
1: You know what this reminded me of a little bit? It's the start of the season. I mean, the symmetry of it, right? We lose those first three games that started the season. And and like, especially the big games, they were over before they even started the Chelsea and the City games. City, were we down to 10 men in that first City game as well? (laughs) Yeah, 10 men City Um, game. Yep, Yep. And, And like, people were like, oh, you know, we don't have this player. We don't have that player. We don't have this player. That explains why we lost the first three games funny thing is, we don't have that player, we don't have this player, we don't have that player. You know What were the excuses back then? We don't have Aubameyang, we don't have Party, we don't have Tierney, we don't have Gabriel. Ben White yet, we don't have Gabriel. We don't have half those players now. Yeah. But now we're fighting for top four with the same team that got smoked in the first three games of the season, essentially. So it is an interesting symmetry. And that leads me to the last point I think we have to get to, which is how the hell we get over the line now. This is, there is a lot of... Gallows humor and despair going on in social media and in the fan base right now, as you can understand, losing the Derby 3-0 hurts. Fine. But we can win the war. We've lost just the battle, not the war. And, and now it's two games that, I mean, at least nominally we should be favored in. Newcastle have been much, much better, no doubt, but they have nothing to play for, and I think Everton will be safe by the time they come to the Emirates. And oh, by the way, Spurs have to turn around a couple days later and play the early game on Sunday, which thankfully starts at 6 a.m. local time for me. I plan to sleep through it, so I'll know what happened by the time I wake (laughs) up because I can only take so much anxiety. But let's assume for a minute that Gabriel's done. He's holding his hamstring. That doesn't usually clear up in three days. And Rob Holding is suspended. Ben White hopefully is fine. You know, I mean, if he was fine to be named on the bench in the Derby, I assume he'll be able to play against Newcastle. This is really, really threadbare now. And I'm curious how you would line up. I will tell you that I would probably just use White and Tomiyasu at center back and Cedric and Nuno at full back. And I realize that that is not ideal, but I don't want to move Shaq out of midfield. I don't want to move El Elneny out of midfield into center back. And I don't want to start playing with those kind of scenarios. I don't want to go to a back five. I think maybe what you do, Clive, is you say, look, both of these teams we're about to play will probably be on the beach. If we can get a couple of goals, maybe they quit. And I would just be looking to emphasize our attack, knowing that the defense is gonna be a little bit ropey and 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 try to play on the front foot because I think playing nervy defensive football in either of these games with the personnel we have is probably too big a risk anyway when you need three points. So I would go with Tomiyasu and White at center back with Cedric and Nuno at fullback. How do you think he should and will approach it?
2: Well, you're assuming that White's gonna be fit. Right, so uh, I,
1: I, I've said I don't know for sure that he will yeah, be, but yeah. if he's not, then it's bring your center back to work day because I yeah. have no idea. Well, then, it's who the Sha- be. then it's Shaka
2: at the back, Shaka El Neni. With, with, with Tommy Asin and uh, that's what you're saying about partnership. And you bring someone to midfield, will you bring Sami into midfield, or Will he brings me. You have to, to go
1: midfield. to a back five, right? If, if there's no white, you have to go to a back five.
2: Well, it depends, right? It depends who's going to be the other centre-back, right? Who's going to be the third centre-back? You know, I mean, you
1: literally do like Elneny, Tomiyasu, and Shaka, right? it's like I, I, three with Saka yeah. and Martinelli as wing-backs. So, I mean, it gets really crazy at that point.
2: It does. See, we have to wait and see. We can't really do this. We haven't got any information at the moment. We don't know if Ben White, as far as I'm aware, he hasn't trained. And the, the rumours out there that that hamstring is not as uh, – is worse than, than first release, shall we say. And mm-hmm. so let's see what's happening there. Uh, he becomes very important. Can he do 90 minutes? Can he do 90 minutes again at the weekend? We don't know. Rob Holding will be back for the last game of the season. Will it matter? Gabriel said he felt something, but did something go? Or did he just feel the twinge and say, I can't risk it? Um, with Arsenal luck and history, (laughs) a twinge normally meets a grade one, three weaker. So um, that's going to kill his season. So we're in that moment right now where we're not sure what's happening. I just read they cancelled a youth game that was meant to be on this weekend. Mm -hmm. Again, there are some youth players that potentially could be on the bench, defensive players they want to protect because they may have to do some minutes in the game. It's going to be all hands to the deck, right? But in the end... Yeah, I can see your natural thought is going towards attack, and can we score? And mm-hmm. up until last night, we had, a, we had a bit of a purple patch regarding goal. So let's get back to that. Let's focus on that. Let's focus on how we play, how we attack, and see if we can dictate the story. I will say Newcastle is is really set up for that game to be a challenge. They got beat by City five 0 away. They're not going to want to they're going to want to do something in their last home game of the season. This is what happened. And Everton, Everton will take care of itself. If we if we if we beat Newcastle, Everton are going to have to do something special to stop us winning in a home game to get what we need to get, right? But it's all about Newcastle. But everyone's focused on Newcastle. But Burnley is also a challenge for Spurs because they've been sitting there with their legs up watching East Enders, and while Spurs yep. have been running around North London derby, Burnley has something to play for. They need a win. They need a win. If they get their win, then they're in a good place. If Leeds don't get their win, then Leeds are in real trouble. And then Everton in a hopefully in a better place by the time we played them the last game of the season. So I think they could be. Everton will take care of itself, but it's got to matter. It's got to matter. And that all depends on what happens with Burnley and what happens at Newcastle.
1: I guess um I like it's it's tough, right? Because I on the one hand, I don't regard these two games as games we can't go win. Like I don't get the sense that we can't go do this. On the other hand, we're going into it with a team that seems to be taken to its absolute most threadbare state with every passing moment, right? Like the, the comments we were making a couple weeks ago is if he gets top four with this team, we're going to look back at these lineups, I think, in a season or two and go, he got top four with that? If I showed you the lineup, we trotted out in the Derby in August and said this was a Derby for top four. How do you feel? You'd look at the lineup and you go, that? Yeah. That's that lineup is competing for top four, so in a way, I feel that we're in a, we're in a position you never would have expected, given what's been available. And we could go back and relitigate squad building and how we got here. That that can be discussed way the hell down the line. But now we're going to go into Newcastle even more threadbare. And I, I know, Clive, that you think I'm almost a meme at this point. Of I think we should just go attack, attack, attack. But like, there is a point. If you look at the Chelsea game and the you know the United game, for example where it was chaos, but we created tons of chances and ultimately yeah. that worked for us. I do think that if you look at the Brighton game, for example, or the Southampton game, you know, it it's the it's the less dynamic performances that come back to bite us. I still think we have enough weapons to go hurt Newcastle and go hurt Everton. And we're gonna have to lean into that. I don't see how we can go any other yeah. way.
2: We're a natural team that can we're a team that likes to control the ball. How we started the game last night is how we like to be. Control the ball, move the ball creatively, create opportunities or near the opportunities by smart overloading and grouping together of players. That's how we like to play. A bit of ingenuity on the ball with Odegaard. And we didn't quite get what we deserved, maybe. I think we deserved a goal last night in a strange way, overall. But we didn't deserve to win the game. Let's not mess about We didn't deserve to win the game. We could have lost that game. No drama, lose that game the issue is we lost holding in Gabriel that's the issue if we have lost for Gabriel because mm-hmm. now we feel really concerned about the depth that's the worry that you see a derailment around the corner so in the end let's see who's available that you know the team will pick itself defensively let's see who's available don't do anything funky get Tommy back on his right foot and get a left back in place. so if Tommy was playing back, then so be it And let's make sure we have some validity there. There's lots of good players back there that just need to deliver. But what I'm worried about earlier is scoring goals under pressure, if I'm honest with you. Scoring goals under pressure when the pressure's really on. And we saw last night with the snatching of shots and the snatching of passes in the last third when it was really hot. Suddenly we lost a bit of ourselves. I want to see that come back. Whatever happens, chaos ain't going to do it, mate. It's going to be calm play that's going to do it. Chaos ain't going to work. It's not going to work because we can yeah. get bitten by chaos as well as win by chaos. You know. So,
1: And it is tough, right? Because someone's going to have to score the goal that puts us in the Champions League over the next two games. And you say, is it going to be the 22-year-old Eddie Nketiah? Is it going to be 20-year-old Bukayo Saka? Is it going to be 20-year-old Gabriel Martinelli? your 21-year-old Emil Smith-Rowe, or 23-year-old Martin Odegaard? Like
2: or oh, Lacazette it, is the other comeback. Is he on the comeback? I was just
1: gonna I was just gonna ask that, you know, I mean, do we need a little more of that focal point to pull the midfield back together and and free up some room this, this for is those how, wide players? I like,
2: could hear Paul listen to it saying, "Hold on a minute, you said he was finished." Uh, it's like this is how football goes, right? You you just have your moment. Eddie's had his moment. he has been brilliant. He's had his moment. Do we go again with it? Do we share the game? It just, we're going to need them both no matter what happens, right? But you can see Lacazette coming on in that game and hopefully doing something, right? So yeah. when the pressure's on Look, to, to steady us through the last phase of the game, right? So it's going to be interesting. I just attitude. hope we have our defenders. I hope we have our defenders.
1: Play in the areas of the pitch where you can have the most mismatch of talent. So for me, that's press them, stay up the pitch, work, you know, work them defensively in their defensive third instead of trying to do it in your defensive third. And I also think, look, if we're going to play these cagey tight affairs and try to nick it one nil, those nerves are going to make it really, really tricky. And suddenly you fall behind and it feels devastating. If we play a little bit more open and maybe that's a little scarier, but we're up the pitch and we're creating chances and we're in their attacking third. Don't, Create a situation where 20-year-old Bukayo Saka gets one good chance in the match, and that's the only chance we get, and he's got to convert it or we're out of the top four. Get your 20 shots. Get your multiple chances. And if you concede a few the other direction, that's fine. I just think what young players need is they need to feel the ball on their foot in the penalty box more than Mm -hmm. once a game. It's one thing if you've got an absolutely lethal 30-year-old in his prime who can put away that one chance and get you into the Champions League. I don't think we're in that spot. So... Don't try to nick these games. Because the other thing I will say is like, again, Newcastle don't have a reason to care about this game other than to give their fans a nice send-off to end the season. I think if you push them back, maybe you catch them napping a bit. Maybe you catch their focus not just right. I will say this also. What is it about Newcastle away and top four races? What is it about Newcastle away and top four races? Remember that it's 1-1 at Newcastle. Yeah, when actually it wasn't. Remember when Spurs lost? What was it, five-one to a relegated Newcastle? A ten-man relegated. Don't go Newcastle?
2: here. I feel stressed enough of
1: these. It, it, right? it feels like it feels like there's something here. It feels like it feels meant to be. I still feel like we're going to do it, and I, I think as a fan base, we got to pull ourselves together here. Absolutely. It's two wins to top four. We've we've gotten this far on merit, not you know not because we postponed a game or we're cheaters. We got here on merit, and we can show Spurs that while they won the battle, we won the war and that's what has to happen. We'll leave it there and All we'll come said. back with an instant reaction on Monday and the full pod on Tuesday. No point doing a full pod on Monday when we have that game. And as I said, I will be sleeping through the Tottenham game. So I hope to awake to a nice gift. Come on, you Burnley. He says, having never said that. Always
2: before. loved him. Always loved Burnley.
1: Always, always <laughs> loved them. Always loved you, Burnley. Go do it. Um, and I think they just might. All right, we'll leave it there. Clive's on Twitter at ClivePFC. Thanks, bud.
2: Thank you very much.
1: My name's Elliot Spithy on Twitter at Yank I get it losing the Derby 3-0 hurts so bad and they get to have their moment and there's nothing we can do but we can crush the meaning of it and let's just all try to raise ourselves two more games it's going to be 180 excruciating minutes I suspect unfortunately but I think this group can do it I know they're desperate to do it and we need to lift them the best we can um, to the extent that we have any role to play in this so we'll see how it goes hope springs eternal stay in there it's not over yet we love you we will talk to you after Arsenal 10, Newcastle New.